So turn with me to your Bibles. Exodus chapter 20. We are in this series of the Ten Commandments. Can I tell you, of all commandments, I am not looking forward to this one at all. Uh, because this one has Scott Brandon's name written right on it. And, you know, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing you got to preach it, you know, because you're thinking, Lord, I'm all kind of guilty. I'm all kind of guilty, and uh, help me be better at doing that. Have you ever stopped for a moment and thought of all the time-saving devices that we have in our life? We're, we're blessed, like nothing else, right? If you want to call it blessed, we're something. But all of the inventions in our generations that man has come up with, think about what it has accomplished for us. Microwaves. Some of y'all can now cook. You know what I mean? Boom. <laughs> I said some of y'all. I didn't say all. I don't know who can, who cannot. But I know if you got a microwave, you can halfway, you know, feed yourself. But then you got these robot vacuums and robot mowers. Now, I ain't never seen a robot mower mow a couple acres of grass, but I'm sure it's coming at some point in time. But you don't have to spend time doing that. That's a lot of time, right? Now you got online church. You don't even get out of bed. Uh, hold on. Y'all just pause the video real fast while I talk about them real quick. So you don't got to get out of bed. You don't got to get ready. You're going to come down here and listen to me and then stand in line at your favorite Mexican restaurant when you leave. All that time has been consulted. Now you're online in your, you know, in your PJs. Um, and so, uh, and also, I mean, if the pastor's preaching hard at you online, you can just mute them. There's all kinds of great stuff, right, online the, that, that we have come up with. <laughs> all right, you can unmute them now. Um, also, you got Amazon and DoorDash. Come on, ain't that good stuff? Who's got Prime? Be honest. Be transparent this morning. Yes, yes. Walmart pickup. You ain't got to shop no more. We can save you time there as well. Uh, you got a GPS. You get lost faster nowadays. You know what I mean? There's no more time going through the maps, realizing you got the wrong, the wrong hemisphere out. Uh, then we got travel. You know, we got planes, trains, and automobiles. And, 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 and you don't have to go to the doctor anymore, right? Because now we got WebMD. You know, that rash you got, that's leprosy. We, we get that. We, we, we're going with it. We've, we've saved time. We have email and text, so we ain't got to talk to nobody anymore. You know, saves us time, right? We're efficient. Uh, I mean, look at all the time that you and I are saving. So what do you mean you're overcommitted? What do you mean you're overworked? What do you mean you're overwhelmed? Look at all the time that we have for family, for rest, for God, all that time we got now, right? It's, it's, what, what did people do 200 years ago? How did they ever serve God back then? They didn't have none of this stuff. And so after all of these things, we see that people are even more busy because of all of the progress that we have. ABC News reported this, that Americans now work longer hours than any other time since the reporting of statistics. And that more than anyone else in the industrialized world, America, America works more hours. Anybody else in the world, the industrialized world, America is working more than that. In fact, we have workers in other countries have the help of legislation to keep their work hours from infringing on their private life. That's not going to happen in America anytime soon, I guarantee you, because America does right the opposite. So if you don't mind this morning, just to make sure you guys are awake and live, can I take a poll? You guys going to participate this morning? Take a poll. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Stand up if 
you have a great life balance, and you don't seem to really need any more time. Now, be honest. No tricks here. Just want to know if you got if you got a good rhythm and you don't need any more time, you're doing good. Go ahead and stand up for me, Michael. I see that hand. There we go. Okay, I, I see some of y'all. Now some of y'all look gunshot. Okay, so then that tells me the next crowd I asked to stand up. Either either you guys are liars or uh, I don't think of another option. So stand up if you're too busy. By the way, I'm already standing, so I'll just go ahead and be the first person. If you're too busy and you don't seem to have enough time, stand up with me. If that's you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, sit down. Sit down. The first, the first step is admittance, right? We're admitting. Thank you for your confession this morning. I am not your father, but it'll work. <clears throat> I may miss this, but I feel that the Lord is saying, we need to talk. We need to talk. Because there's a few things that we don't do in our life, and, and rest is one of those things that we don't do well. Somehow we don't um, manage our time well. We exhaust ourselves. Let me add to you that as your pastor, I don't do these things well. Um, like I said, uh, this is the one commandment that I'm struggling with myself personally. I'm preaching to you from a position of weakness, not strength. <laughs> I'm not saying I got this down. Uh, I had to just buckle down a few times myself while just studying and just say, Lord, don't just forgive me, but all the seeds that I've sown, Lord, I pray you just, re you know, just... <laughs> Plow those up or, or sow some, some wheat along with my tares uh, as well. So I want you to know that I'm a, a fellow struggler as well. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, read into our heart. God, you see us and you know our life. Father, we can't hide anything from you. You, you know it all. But I pray this morning, God, as we get into your word, that you will begin to shape us and change our heart. God, I know that my first response to your word was offense because that's, that's where I know I'm, I'm wrong. And I pray today, Lord, that we will all take this journey in Scripture and that the Holy Spirit will craft and change in us and renew in our mind and our actions, Father, what we believe to be true and to be right. Lord, we want to be obedient, not just in the hard areas of life, Father, but every area, God, that speaks of you. And the Sabbath, God, most definitely does that. We ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is in the, your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Notice it says, six days you shall labor. I love that because um, we realize really quick that the Lord intended you to go to work. Now, I don't want to get into all the reasons why people cannot work. There are legitimate reasons to do so. But let's just deal with the fact that uh, you need to work. So the first thing I want to tell you this morning is get to work. Now, I'm not going to throw a bunch of notes at you because at the very end of the service, I want you guys to take some notes. So just hear my heart at first. But know that we need to get to work. That's what's great about work is that there's a day of rest that's coming. 
God intended you for, for you to work. Paul says this in the church of Thessalonica. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 10 through 11, he says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Have y'all ever told anybody that before? My grandpa used to do that all the time when I wake up about 1130 in the morning uh, on a weekday. He'd say, Scott, if a man don't work, he don't eat. And uh, I ain't paying your bill no more. Get to work, you lazy, you know, millennial. I, although I wasn't a millennial. Uh, but it felt like that because I was so lazy. <laughs> Paul is saying, uh, I know, I know, y'all just turned me off already, already. For, let me get back to the scripture here. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. And so Paul is saying that it's good for us to work, to get back to work. We were built to work because working helps your sanity. yes. Working helps your sanity unless you neglect its balance, and that's a problem. Even when we see in the garden account, we see that we were, we were created to work. We were, designed, uh, we were designed to work. In fact, before there was any imperfection, before there was any sin, we see this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So when everything was right and perfect in the world, we were working. We were designed to work, but before we get too sidetracked with that, I, wanted to, I want you to make sure real fast is that uh, I'm not trying to deal with the people who are waving the sign on the street, right? I, there, if, in fact, sometimes I've always myself personally thought, man, if he's not working, he ain't going to be eating. But that's not really how you're supposed to address that. If I could just slightly step off topic for a second, let me just remind you, Matthew 25, Proverbs 25, 21, and James 1, 27, all say, feed people, whether they're your enemies or whatever reason they they're not they're not um, uh, they're not working. Make sure you have bread. We can talk more about that later on. But for those of us who can work, work is a mandate. One of the main reasons why you work uh, is so important because when you work, you can rest. You were made to work so you can rest. Did you hear me? We don't rest so we can work. We work so we can rest. Work is not a byproduct of Adam's sin. Hard work is a byproduct of Adam's sin. And so when you are out there working hard, you just thank Adam for all that extra. In fact, I was working hard uh, this week. I was sitting there watching Robert and uh, um, Robert. I was sitting there watching uh, Gannon and Kayla. They were, they were herding some steer into the trailer, and I was sitting back there watching the whole time. And uh, I, just, I just smelled all the manure, and I thought, this is hard work. I'm glad me and Kayla just hanging out talking <laughs> while Kayla did all the work, you know. But I realized really quick, that's some hard work. But I want you to know is, is, that, is that, that hard work and work is, is important for another very spiritual reason. Did you know that the work God intended for you to do would actually be used as a part of a sign? It would communicate to something. And God intended for you to work, but, um, but rest from that work in him. It's a way that he spoke about himself to others. Let me put it more plainly, that when you work hard and then rest, it's a way for you to evangelize. For all you introverts that don't like going up to people and telling them that the heaven is real and that, and that hell is hot, here's a good way for you to evangelize. Get out there and get you a job. Work hard and then rest on the day that God has called you to rest. Because God desires for you to rest from the work he has commanded you. Read with me in Exodus 31, 13 through 17. 
This is an awesome scripture to look at and seeing how God works uh, with the concept of work. He says, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it or uses it in a way that's not holy, it shall be put to death. Whoever does, not, uh, whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall, you, shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So before I deal with the work aspect, let me just deal with this sign first. Can I tell you that your God is a God of signs? He uses signs because he knows that we need help remembering things. Five times in Deuteronomy, the Lord says that, that Israel forgot, Israel forgot, Israel forgot. Once in Judges is the same way, and one time in 1 Samuel, Israel forgot. They forgot what? They forgot that the Lord God was their God. We have a problem remembering the Lord is our God. It's the reason why when we take communion, is in remembrance of me. We need to remember who he is and what he's done. So signs are for us to help us remember. God uses the rainbow to remind us, right, that he'll never flood the earth again. He uses circumcision for Abraham as a sign of righteousness through faith. And with Moses, it was the Sabbath, and it spoke of obedience to, co to the covenant, but more importantly, the God of the covenant. But signs are also for other people in your life. My wedding ring is a sign of my love for Julie. And you may not see that love, happening, but you should know that that sign speaks of something even though you can't see it. And so who is this sign for? First off, this sign was for the Jews. It was to let them know that if I am obeying the Sabbath, I'm letting other people know that I am obedient to the covenant and the law that God has put out before us to follow and obey. If I did not obey the Sabbath, it was a way for me to say I do not respect and I am not in covenant with God, and no Jew would want to do that. And so that's the reason why they come up with all these other crazy, um, uh, I, I guess, duties and responsibilities that the Pharisees added to make themselves more lawful, more abiding, because in the end, it simply said they love God more than everybody else. So the first one was the Jews, but the other one was pretty cool. And it was to all the other non-Jews. Because, see, your work is important. But your rest is even more important from your work. Because if you see this from the non-Jews or the Gentiles' perspective, you're awakened to the idea that we're communicating that there is a God who, who sees us and knows us and blesses us. So in the book of Judges, we see Gideon, and he is out there, and the Israel is uh, they're planting crops, and they're growing crops. And you have the Amalekites and the Midianites. And they come down for a season. They raid all the crops and take them away. And one of the reasons why they're doing that is because as a Canaanite, uh, they're looking at the Jews. And they're saying, okay, these guys work hard six days a week. And I'm working hard seven days a week. And then they rest on the seventh day. And they're getting as much harvest as I am. So I'm working a day longer than they are. And so yet their God is blessing them more than my God's blessing me. In fact, to push it even further, 
look at Exodus 23, verse 10 through 12. It says, For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie follow. So what, we, what we're seeing here is this, is that if a Canaanite is working six or seven years and a Jew is working six years and the Jew's barns are as every bit as big as a Canaanite or even bigger, what does that say? It says this, that the God I serve is better than the God that you serve. It says that my God is faithful and he honors my commitment so long as I obey him. He is my provider. Can I tell you that when we're looking at these Ten Commandments, we're asking ourselves, who is God? Why is he giving us these Ten Commandments? It's not to burden us, although it's to reveal our sin in our own lives. But the most important thing is that this is the testimony that he is giving to us of himself. He wants you to know in this commandment that God is your provider. That you can't work hard enough to get it done. You can't overwork yourself. You can't over-resource yourself. You can't manipulate the relationships in your, in your life enough. You cannot do what it takes to satisfy yourself. You will eventually burn yourself out, as some of us may have already done before. But that God alone is your sole provider. And this is what other people who are not serving God are seeing. Why is it that when I go to the office that I'm working seven days a week and he's working six days a week, maybe even five days a week, and the Lord blesses him and he's doing so well and he tells me all the time he has this family and what they're doing and he always comes in with a smile on his face and I'm working as much or harder than he is. I make more than he, is, he has, but I don't, I'm not as happy as he is. Well, here's the reason why. Because you don't honor God. Can I also say this, fellow Christian, if you're working six, seven days a week, you ain't got no Sabbath in your time, and you look over and you say, why is that Christian so joyous? Well, maybe, maybe he's honoring the Sabbath and you're not. We're going to get into what that looks like. Can I tell you, there's a reason this morning that God's favorite restaurant is Chick-fil-A. There's a reason why that. But in all serious, when we work, and then sustain from one work day a week, it makes a huge statement to the rest of the world. And that statement simply is this, is that my God is a God who provides. And I don't have to provide for myself emotionally, relationally, financially, or spiritually. I can work six days a week and be okay. But that one day, that's a holy day that's set aside for him, and it belongs to him. We see this story emphasized in the importance the command uh, of that of uh, Eric Liddell's life. Eric Liddell was a British track star. Um, and he, how many of y'all ever saw the Chariots of Fire movie? Yeah. Y'all, y'all, if you've never seen it before, you've heard the... Y'all, y'all heard that before, right? That's from that movie, in case y'all are not that old. Um, and so this is the movie about his life, and here's what was so spectacular about his life. In 1924, in the Paris Olympics, um, he found out that he was supposed to run the 100-meter dash, which was his specialty, uh, on Sunday. And he said, can't do it, can't do it. That's the Lord's Day. And I ain't going to be working on the Lord's Day. And so you got to know, 
that all of Europe was mad <laughs> because here is the world record holder and he's not going to run. So all the other people who have worked their whole life to beat the world record holder, and he won't even step on the scene. They're angry. His, his team is angry. His coach is angry. Um, the, uh, um, the leaders of his country are all angry. But it didn't make a difference because he was only serving one God. And he says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so he elected to uh, run the 400 meters instead. Now, the 400 meter was not his thing at all, but he understood he had to run. And so he says, I'll go for the 400 meters. And so on the 400 meter dash that day, someone handed him a note that said this. It quoted first, Psalm, or first um, Samuel 2.30. It said this, that them that honor me, I will honor. And so he got that note and he said, okay, Lord, let's see what we can do. And so he got out there, and he ran the 400-meter dash, and he set world record for 400-meter dash. Was not trained to do it. If, you, if you're a runner, you know 100-meter or 400-meter is different altogether. And, um, and when he set that world record, he simply let people know that whatever it took for me to run the 100, God gave to me to run the 400. I don't rest on anything else other than God to provide me what is given. And that should be true of our life. That whatever we got to accomplish on a Sunday or your Sabbath day, whatever that might be, we'll talk about that in just a second. You should know that whatever it takes to pay the bill, whatever it takes to regain sanity, whatever it takes to have family, whatever it takes, the Lord is your provider. So long as we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, which is a whole other thing. Remember a couple weeks ago I had my toothbrush up here and I was using to clean my toes and you guys were so encouraging uh, here when I did that. How many of you guys went to say the Lord's name in vain almost, and then you thought about my toothbrush scrubbing my toes? Be honest. I see those hands. I see those hands, everybody. I, I appreciate that. And so what I want you to know is that, is that being holy is simply that, it's just that, right? It's taking something that's designed for one purpose, and you use it for a common purpose. That's how you profane the holy thing. And this is God's day. This is his time where he said it's holy. It belongs to me. One day set aside for God, not for work. Holy is different. It's to be set apart. Sabbath is a day of sacred assembly. Jesus kept the Sabbath by going to church. Good job. Good job. You guys are here today. Think of all those sinners who are not here today. You're like, whoo, I slipped right past that fourth commandment today. I'll see you all next Sunday too. Luke 4, 16 says this, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he was custom, and he went to the, uh, as he was custom, and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So here we see Jesus going to church on the Sabbath day. We understand that. And so you're saying, Pastor, are you saying that keeping the Sabbath holy is by a list of do's and don'ts, going to church and don't doing this? Yes and no. <laughs> it's a yes and no. So let me kind of give you a history lesson on the Sabbath so you can kind of I have a bit more clarity. First off, remember the Sabbath was to the Jews. It was a law, it was a test, and it was a sign. Those are the three things that the Sabbath was for. It was a law, a test, and a sign. But to the church, it, the law was fulfilled by Christ. Right? He says, I came to fulfill the law, not do away with it. And so Sunday became the Lord's day to worship the resurrection, but was never a substitute for it. Then we had the church fathers, you know, the church fathers, they got together and they decided the things that we should really uh, establish as doctrine and theology, and they began to build the canon Bible, which you read today and call Holy Scripture. They were a part of that process. Um, 
Ignatius and the Didache, I think 14.1, that's when they established all these things. But they said this, they said that your, uh, your laws, your ceremony, your festivals, your offerings, and those things were no longer binding on us as New Testament believers concerning the Sabbath. And Sunday instead was just a day of worship. And the early church worshiped God on Sunday, Acts 20, verse 7. And then in Acts 15, the Jerusalem council got together, and they're trying to figure out in terms of the law, in terms of Scripture, uh, uh, what things need to stay, what things need to go. And the Sabbath is not mentioned at all. No Scripture uh, commands a Saturday Sabbath anymore. No certain day. It's a matter of personal faith and conviction. Romans chapter 14, 5 through 6 tells us this. One person esteems one day is better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. And the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the, while the other one abstains. Abstains in honor of the Lord, gives the thanks to God. Colossians 2, 16-17 says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These things are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance... The, the reason why we do those things belong to Christ. And so that we move on from there under Constantine about 300 years later on. What we see is that, that Constantine tries to uh, make some changes and that Sunday was observed uh, as a, a Sabbath day. And in the 17th century, we see the Puritans when Sunday was observed as the Christian Sabbath. They established this. Now, Puritans had a, great, a lot of great theology, but they, they begin to make the Sabbath Sunday uh, a very heavy burden all over again. They, they compiled a list of uh, do's and don'ts all over again, and that become uh, a problem. And so, so the question is, is, what does Jesus think about the Sabbath? Because that's all we really care about, right? What does Jesus think about this? What does he want us to understand about the Sabbath? And so you should know that Jesus wasn't real high on the Sabbath in terms of how the Pharisees saw it about it. Matter of fact, he confronted them six different times on the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. He ate or he worked on the Sabbath because if you pull grain out of the, um, out of the, uh, the harvest, that's called working. And so you're not supposed to eat, you know, from the field on the Sabbath. But he did that. But we best understand what the Sabbath about is for you and for me when we read Mark 2.27. And this is what it's for. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. In other words, God knew as your provider... And as your creator and as your father, you needed this day. You were designed to need this day. You were designed to need him. And so he created this particular day for you. He gave that to you. The, the Sabbath is for you. And man is not for the Sabbath. Man is not built so we would, we would attest and declare to God and glory and everything else that, that he is creator and ruler over all because we do these things on the Sabbath. No, that is not the intention. The intention was that one day the Sabbath would be fulfilled through Christ's life as far as the, the requirements. And that, that Sabbath day would still be given to us for rest because we need rest. Amen? We need a time of restoration. And so Jesus, in a sentence, just does away with all of the heaviness and duty of obligation and reminds us that what Sabbath is for is that, is that it was created for us. You've you got to think about this. When Jesus says, he says, take my yoke upon you, right? Uh, and that my, that my, my burdens are easy and my yoke is light. Remember he said those things? 
there are things in your life the Lord knows you wrestle with. And can I tell you that if you're really needing a break, you're really needing the Lord to, to take uh, your heaviness away from you, you do that by entering into the Sabbath, by honoring God. You should know that the Sabbath is a time where you honor God. And let me just clarify some things up really fast. Sabbath is probably most likely a Sunday for you. But Sabbath is not a Sunday for me. I'm up here at work. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but I'm up here working. And so Sabbath is not my Sunday. I mean, Sunday is not my Sabbath. And so we see in Scripture that you decide when your Sabbath is. The Lord didn't say you had to have it on this day. What he's saying is, whatever day it is, don't skip it. Don't skip it. It's that time that I get to pour back into you. But oh, how far we've come. It used to be the Holy Sabbath, and then it turned into the Sabbath, and then we made it Sunday, and then it's the weekend, Sunday fun day, you know, but God calls it a holy day. We forget that it's a holy day. Somehow ignoring the command is part of our culture. You remember a long time ago, they didn't have anything going on Sundays. A long time ago, you didn't have anything going on Wednesday nights, but now everything's happening on Wednesday nights, and things are starting to happen on Sunday. Instead of church... Uh, we, we, we do tournaments. We have travel teams. Instead of spending time in God's church or God's house, we have family time instead. Or late days are more important than God's day. Can I tell you that I'm not against tournaments or family time or late days at all or family time at all. But they're, they're, those are wonderful, honestly. But when we keep them in the right place, that's when they're best used for us. But when they become Sabbath replacements, you hear what I'm saying? They become Sabbath replacements. They become an idol that we worship. And the sad thing is this, is that if they become an idol that we worship, we're already breaking three commandments in one. Because now it's become a, we're breaking the Sabbath, we're, we're causing it to be an idol that we worship, and we're putting it before God. So we're, we're really messing ourselves up quite a bit. Here's the interesting fact, is that church attendance is down in America, even though the same percentage of Americans call themselves Christians. So how is it that we've not fallen in percentage of Christians, but we have fallen in our attendance? It goes to show that we've not really honored God anymore. We used to give God three times a week, and now we're just one out of three. And if we're doing one out of three, we feel like we're doing God a favor. Now, listen, I, I'm up here telling you guys these things because I love you. When I, when I discipline my kids, it's because I love them. When I tell them hard things, it's because I love them. Now, I'll be honest with you, you can... I see why pastors don't want to talk about this stuff. It's, it's not easy. But can I tell you, those pastors probably are afraid that their members are going to go to another church of lower commitment. And the thing is, is even if we do, even if I choose not to preach this stuff, the problem is simply this. There's still a question that remains. Whether I preach truth or not, whether you hear truth in here or you go somewhere else, the, the question still remains is how are you keeping the Sabbath holy? You can't escape God and his command. You can't escape his word. And so we have to face this hard truth. Let's remember why it's holy. Exodus 20 verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we need to get to work, we need to uh, get to keeping it, and we need to get to resting. And this is where we probably, I know I don't do well at all. It is said that um, the elite signal each other. They tell each other how important they are 
by answering, how's it going? And then they say this, I'm slam, I'm slam. I'm so busy. I got everything's going on in my life. That means I'm important and things rely on me. That's how they signal to each other that they are important. It's funny because about 50 years ago, uh, here's how the elite signaled to each other. They would, they would partake in leisurely activities. I'm doing so good. I'm so rich. I'm so blessed that I don't even got to work no more. I just go do leisurely activities. But nowadays, we got people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Mark Cuban and Jeff Bezos. All those people are, are telling you, here's how productive I am. I, 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 I assign my schedule five-minute increments, and I assign different tasks to those five-minute five increments. That blows my mind. I cannot think that way at all. But they maximize all of the time that they're alive by doing things. And somehow we felt like in this world, especially in America, that busyness revolves around worth. And that's not how it works. Can I tell you that even in the pastoral culture, if I'm being transparent and being honest, when we greet each other, we'll say, how's it going? To which we respond, good, busy, but good. I'm just being, I'm being truthful. And sometimes we brag and say, well, the Lord got me doing all this stuff. I got this going on. We got an outreach. And it's all about busyness. Busyness. My whole life I've heard that. You know what I, I, you know what I wish the pastor would ask me? Pastor Scott, how are you doing? I, I wish he would say this. How well are you resting, Pastor Scott? How well are you resting? How stressed are you, Pastor Scott? How stressed are you? How's the family doing, Pastor Scott? What has God been speaking into your life on a personal level, Pastor Scott? That's what I'd like to hear. We don't like those questions as pastors because those things hold accountable to the word. And after all, we are preachers, sometimes Pharisees. And so it happens in all cultures. It's just not you. Even our own holier-than-thou culture, we still struggle with this idea that we attribute worth to what we accomplish. And we, we forfeit our rest in doing so. You and I, we need rest. And when we don't rest, it tends to be at the expense of not just ourselves, like we often think, because that's how we always think, right? If we work hard, it's just going to cost us that, a little less sleep. That's not true. It often costs other people as well. Some of the greatest accidents in history occurred in the middle of the night. You guys have heard of the uh, Exxon Valdez. Three Mile Island was the most serious U.S. commercial nuclear meltdown in history. Chernobyl, which is nuclear power as well. And then we have this thing, uh, the Challenger. You guys remember the Challenger? The Challenger, in, in January 28, 1986, NASA made the decision to go ahead and with the launch after working 20 hours straight, that's when they made the decision, and they worked 20 hours straight coming off of only two to three hours the night before. They were tired. Can I tell you that that decision on three hours of rest, working 20 hours straight, cost seven astronauts their lives, cost family of those astronauts their lives. Why? Because we got to work, get this done. We got a timeline, we got a deadline. We can't afford to slack. And can I tell you that I feel like ourselves that when we ignore need for rest and for renewal at the peril uh, of our others and ourselves, it's very costly. The greatest harm we cause is to our own souls. In fact, I wonder about myself sometimes if my business, if my busyness 
is another form of idolatry. Maybe you can agree with me. I read an author, she wrote this. She said, some of us have made an idol of exhaustion. The only time we know that we've done enough is when we're running on empty and when the ones we love the most are the ones we see the least. When we lie down at night to sleep, we offer our full appointment calendars to God instead of prayer. Believing that God, who is just as busy as we are, will surely understand. So what's the answer today? The answer is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We can do this by understanding what the Sabbath does. The Sabbath does three things. All right? Three things. Get your notes ready. Three things the Sabbath protects. First, it protects your body from wearing out. David wrote, they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. I got a feeling in my heart I could be wrong, but I feel like Vic keeps the Sabbath. <laughs> I feel like Vic keeps the Sabbath every day. I don't know, but when I, when I read that scripture, they still bear fruit in old age. I said, that is Vic Snyder right there, Lord. I want to be. Vic, where you at? You need to mentor me, Vic wherever you're at. He's probably working. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 10.15 says this, The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not even know the way home to the city. Think about that. A fool wears him out so much that he's too tired to find his way home. I've been there before. So the first thing is your body from wearing out. The Sabbath protects your body from wearing out. The second thing is the Sabbath protects your spirit from tuning out. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He says, remember, remember. So many times we just want to know what God wants, right? And yet we neglect to take the time to tune back into God. But we can't because we're so busy. And remembering the Sabbath allows us to tune our ears to the voice of God that has lost its tune because of all the other voices in the world. When we remember the Sabbath, we protect our spirit from tuning out. The third thing is simply this that the Sabbath protects your soul from burning out. Psalms 23, 1-3, you've heard it before. Some of you guys know it, and you can quote it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Isaiah 30, 15 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Mm. These are the three things the Sabbath protects, but you also got to be mindful of the three things that want to steal your Sabbath. The first one is workaholism. Some of us, we want to work too much, too long, too many hours. Workaholism is simply this. It's the belief that what you accomplish is your worth. What you accomplish is your worth. That your assignment in life does not determine your worth to God. Workaholism doesn't want you to, to think that way. It wants you to think that your assignment in life determines your worth to everyone. Legalism is the second thing. It's the list of do's and don'ts. The what's and the whatnots. Here's the things we should do and should not do when it comes to the Sabbath. Here's how I should obey God. Here's how I should not obey God in terms of the Sabbath. That's not it at all. In fact, the Sabbath is asking the question, what renews my mind, my body, and my soul? It's not just rest. 
But there's also a, a taking in of the Word of God, some time, some worship, and some prayer. It's not rules, it's restoration. You don't follow the Sabbath by doing rules. And the third thing is this, is what I'm guilty of, is, the, is hedonism. hedonism. Hedonism is the idea that if I, can do, if I can do nothing and think nothing, I'll be restored. And that's the truth. We love to play. We have our pleasures. But can I tell you that play and pleasure alone do not restore you. You know what? A good late day doesn't restore you. You're wore out come Monday morning, you know? A good late day. If you had a good late day, you know, even if you're sitting out in the sun all day long, that sun will suck it right out of you're tired, you know, you're grumpy, don't want anybody to touch you. <laughs> play and pleasure alone do not work. Can I tell you, the Sabbath is a day for restoration, and that rest is found in God. Make sure that when you celebrate the Sabbath, that your focus and time and place in Him is before everything else in your life. And this is how I want to close today. Because I, I can tell you that as your pastor, I, I, I missed it too. I missed it too. When I read through this stuff and I began to, to chew on the word, I, I thought, Lord, I'm just, I can't say I, I, I'm sorry enough. I get it, I'm wrong. And so today I just want to kind of make this whole room an altar. And, and, and if you don't mind, um, I want to stand with you, but I, I want us to pray. And here's how I want us to pray. I want us to pray for three things. First off, God, I missed it. I'm going to ask for forgiveness because I want change. I just don't, I just don't, want, a, I just don't want an excuse to say, okay, I'm not going to judge you anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cause you to have consequences. I, I don't want to just forget. I want a change of heart, Lord. I really want to honor you. I really want to keep this Sabbath holy. So we're going to pray for forgiveness. And the second thing we're going to pray for is sensitivity. Because it's so easy to not be sensitive to the fact that this day is his day. That it belongs to him. That it speaks to others about who he is. And so I, I'm praying, God, make me sensitive once again to your word and to your commandment. And the third thing is, Lord, help me with my priorities. Because I, I somehow forget to prioritize you the way I need to. My Sunday is my work day, and so typically my Sabbath is on a Saturday. Can I tell you, there's a lot of things that want my attention on a Saturday, just at home. It's easy. Life is that way. And so we need to pray, God, forgive us. God, resensitize our hearts. And then God, allow us to have a priority restructured in our life once again. It is you first. And so if that's you, with me, will you stand with me? Just, just in saying, Pastor Scott, I'm with you. Now, if that's not you, don't stand. But if that's you, and you say, I need to honor the Sabbath once again, I want you to pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, you see our hearts. You see us right now, God. We, we burn the candle at both ends. We spin hard and heavy, Lord. And God, if we're being honest, God, it's not just us that's paying the price, Lord, our families. We don't even have enough, God, to give to them the love that they need or the time that they need. And so, Lord, I pray that you would see our hearts. God, forgive us. When I say forgive us, God, what I'm asking for is change. I don't want you just to wipe sin away, God, and deal with the consequences. But I'm asking, Lord, as you look at my heart, and you renew my mind, 
And you no longer allow me to do that, Father. And that when I do forget to prioritize, and that when I do forget to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, saying that's my day, I pray, God, that you would give me grace to get things back into alignment. But God, I pray also for sensitivity. I pray, God, for the Holy Spirit's conviction on my life, Lord, because I know that, Father, when you convict me, God, you're doing it from a loving Father's point of view. Lord, you don't long to condemn me. Lord, you want what's best for me, what's best for this church, what's best for our families, Lord. And so I pray, God, make us sensitive, God, to the voice of God once again. That when we are doing things that are not in line with your word, I pray, make us sensitive, God. And then give us, God, the wisdom and knowledge of priority. Help us, Lord, to prioritize you above everything else. Even at the risk of costing us, like Eric did, God, when he ran the 400 meters, God. Even at the risk of costing us something. I pray, God, you would make us responsible to the priorities and the blessings that you've given us. Pray, Father, today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.